Welcome back to another week, episode 51 to be exact, of the Interleague. My name's Chris Spags, you're here. It's not Tuesday, it's Monday. And since you didn't name the episode, I'm going to name it. All right. And today, episode sponsored by DJ Khaled, because all we do is win, 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 no matter what. You know what I'm saying? That's at least my team does. I don't know about your team, Spags, but my team wins games. Win, win. Yeah, update that. All right, name the title. All uh, we do is win, win, win. Update that sheet. Done, saved, it's in. Yeah. Win most of the time. Winning, <laughs> winning baseball, winning series is all we do. I'm, know? I'm just saying. You know, last week we recorded. You gave me. I feel like you gave me a hard time about my, about my, my title. You know, April showers bring May winds. So far, that's that's what it's been. It's true. You know, we cried a little bit in April together. Teams didn't yeah. play the way we thought they should for the entire month of May. Your team turned it around a little earlier than mine, but my team started a little better than yours in terms of outcome. But yeah, then it got real any... dark for the Yankees. <laughs> you know, hey, I don't think day... the Cardinals were ever five games under five hundred. Yeah, any day, Harrison Bader's any day away from not hitting home runs every game he plays. You know? Yeah. so the, He's one righty away from not having yeah. a good game, you know? So, I I get that, like, we we have, I feel like we have spoken it into existence that all Harrison Bader does is crush lefties. <laughs> to the <laughs> point, to the point <laughs> that when he hit his home run off of Herman Marquez on, what was that, Friday? Mm-hmm. I, I text Chris. <laughs> Chris's response almost immediately was, I was texting you the same thing, but I was, so I was at, uh, Amos's house, a buddy of ours, and it was me and him and, uh, Nick Stow, Steve and Darren. Um, and we were hanging out and when Bader was up, as he came up to the plate, I was like, uh, Bader's going to hit a home run tonight. All he does is crush lefties. And they were like, is that so? And I was like, oh yeah, it's a known fact. Like he's going to hit a home run off this guy at some point tonight. It's like, I don't know if it'll be this at bat, but he will. It's like what? Three or four pitches later, he hit the home run. I was like, I told you, I was like, I told you. Um, and Amos was here first on the interleague. Amos was like, can you tell me that? Like, you know, maybe like a few hours before it's going to happen. You know, he's like, cause I can bet that. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, sorry, man. But yeah, I was like, I'll, I was like, if Cardinals are facing a lefty and Bader's in the lineup, he's setting a home run. Cause that's all he yeah, does. He's crushing crushing lefties. He just yeah. crushes lefties. That's all he does. Yeah. You might want to start betting a cycle. You know, if you can bet the cycle, yeah. he's probably going to match it. Well, so. he's probably not going to get four at bats against the lefty, but he, he's at least, he's going yard one, at least once, at least once. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. You know, that's been his downfall okay. in his entire career. It's like they, there just aren't enough left-handed pitchers that pitch in the NL that face Harrison Bader. So he's been a victim yeah. of circumstance. You know, like, is... you know, Paul DeYoung's okay. too focused on defense. Matt Carpenter just hits the ball hard. Harrison Bader hasn't faced enough lefties. If those yeah. weren't, th- if those three things weren't there, Cardinals would easily be at 26 rings by now. Because, uh, does Justin Williams mash righties? Is that why? Is that what we got going on here? Um, I don't know. Let's see, I'm looking it up. Okay. He's got he's got three home runs. Are yep. they are they all, 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 all righties? Against, all are they all against righties. right-handed pitchers? Because if so, then yes, he crushes righties. Yeah, now we know what's going on. Yeah, that platoon, much closer. Platoon those boys. Batting logs. 
Boom, 2021. Where'd Splitsby? Versus right handers. <clears throat> he is batting two. Oh, sorry, he's batting 182, but all three of his home runs. Wait, no, that's. No, oh, it moved my page. Still, all three of his home runs have come against right handed pitching. True. But he only hits 176. He hits 222 against left-handed pitching. No home runs, though. So he, he definitely hits for, for this power. experiment. He hits for power. Yeah, he for power. Pitching. <clears throat> yeah, so pretty much we just hope Harrison Bader keeps crushing it and we face lefties so Justin Williams can, you know, get a little him time. He just needs a little him time, that's all. Yeah. Fair. Um, but but no. Uh, good, good, solid week um, all around, I think, for, for both clubs um what i think the cardinals went what i think they went like four and two or something like that in their uh last week maybe maybe it was five and two i think they what they split with the mets and then swept colorado which is what we kind of talked about was probably technically there was no game Oh, never mind. It was that doubleheader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So four. So and two. yeah, I yeah. think yeah. All right. Well, I think it was. Uh, I think it was five and two, but we technically recorded on Tuesday, so they had already beaten them on Monday when we recorded. Yeah, the Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so. so four and two since we last recorded, but five and two Monday to Sunday. Um, you know, in the 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 quote unquote week, just going with like the fantasy week. Um, in the last seven, I think it's like eight or last ten, it's like eight and two or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, they're, the, the Cardinals are doing something this year that they normally don't. Um, and I think that that is the, the major difference that I have seen so far, um, with why they're what, I mean, what the Cardinals are like 21 and 14 or something like that, like seven games over 500 right now, maybe more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 21 and 14. Um, Best record in the NL right now. Um, half game behind Boston, who lost today, um, for best record in baseball. But the the big difference that I have seen is, so they swept the Marlins, they swept the Pirates, they swept the Rockies. So they are they are beating up on the teams that are at like the bottom of the barrel. Um, you know, like I I think when things shake out. Washington will be in front of Miami in the standings. So Miami, Pittsburgh, Colorado are the last place team in all three divisions. And the Cardinals have swept all, have swept all three of those teams so far this year. So I think that, so that, that goes a long way because normally you see the Cardinals play those teams and they're like, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, like they'll, they'll lose a series here or there. Um, they'll only take two out of three, you know, whatever. Yeah, well, like the, and we'll the lose offensive. the, we'll lose the third game. Like you should have won the third game. Like, right. like but Hey, you won the series. Like, so whatever. Yeah. Like they'll, uh, like it'll be like a, a committed, like an air late in the game or like the bullpen will implode or something. So it'll be a winnable game, but the Cardinals will find a way to lose it. Um, that I feel like that's what happened a lot. And if you, if you make that change, say they take two out of three in each of those series, you're looking at a point where the Cardinals are 18 and 17 at this point instead of 21 and 14. 
Um, so I think that that's been the big difference makers actually completing those sweeps, which don't get me wrong. They should. The Cardinals are a significantly better team than all three of those teams. Um, I get the Marlins were a playoff team last year, but let's be honest, like eight teams went to the playoffs from each division or from each league last year. Being a playoff team last year doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, I think Milwaukee made the playoffs last year and they were below 500. So if you're below 500, you're, you're not, you're not a good baseball team. If you, you know, yeah, you could be an average baseball team and play a little below 500, but you're not a good baseball team. If you, if you just win as often as you lose, that's not, that doesn't make a good baseball team. That does not make, um, I, yeah. And go ahead. I'm sorry, I don't know where you're going. I'd say you got to credit a lot of these wins. Really, I, I we're pretty uh, home run dependent. I think maybe this week or this past, since we were last recorded anyway, wasn't as home run dependent. But we were also playing teams that, again, we probably should have beat anyway. Um, so whether it was hitting a long ball or not. Uh, so it does still worry me. But uh, the pitching also just not giving up uh, home runs. Um, I think it's helping. Um, obviously, when you're not giving up home runs and you're you're hitting home runs, it's a good remedy. I mean, that's kind of the position the Yankees are in. The Yankees have let up the least amount of home runs so far in baseball, uh, and the Cardinals are second in that. Uh, I don't know how many the Yankees. I'm sure are getting up there in home runs, but I didn't look how many they've hit so far this year. But it's always a good re- recipe to win games for sure. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but um, at least like the Yankees should be hitting home runs. The Cardinals, I, I'm still enjoying it, but I think I'm going to say it every week until like it's just, I guess, speaks itself out of existence. And just this, uh, the power, just not sure where it's coming from, but hey, we're. Well, and there's, and there's a handful of guys, I think, that are on the team now that the the Cardinals likely should hit more home runs than what they did before. Um, I think. Arenado is has much more power at third than a lot of guys have had of recent years. Um, Goldschmidt is uh, an all-around better first baseman, so he's going to produce power numbers. Like, if anything, I'm surprised that he's batting under 250. Um, DeYoung's always had pop, but yeah, like I, me personally, I would sacrifice some of those seven home runs to not have him batting under 200. Um, we knew that O'Neill could swing the bat. Just he gets in those hot streaks. Um, but Arenado, Goldschmidt, DeYoung, O'Neill, I think those guys, we knew they were all going to produce. I I think the surprise to me, like, A, you know, Car- Carpenter having three home runs is surprising to me because I'm surprised he's gotten enough at bats that he's capable of hitting three home runs. Um, but, like, Justin Williams has three home runs already. Tommy Edmonds hit two. Uh, I think Bader has two. Carlson has three. Uh, Molina has five. Yeah, uh, sorry. Bader has three. Uh, Dean hit a home run. You got a home run from Jack Flaherty. You know, it's like it, there's, there's been some guys that I, I don't know that, you know, Tommy Edmond is going to, uh, you know, so Tommy Edmond hit 15 home runs in what? 2018, 2019. Right, so I mean, maybe he just has a little bit more, yeah. a little more pop. Um, I, I was like, I think all of those guys, like I think one through eight, you know, exclude the pitcher spot. Um, but I think one through eight are capable of being 10 home run type guys. 
I just don't think the Cardinals have any of those like big boppers really where they're going to be pressing 35, 40 home runs. Like what you might get from like a judge or a Stanton, a Voight, something along those lines. Um, but I, and there's guys certainly trending to do that. I mean, we're, we're what 35 games into the season. So, um, what? So, yeah, sorry, that number 140. So it'd be, you know, if you do like a little, like three times that, like they're, they're a little less than a, a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, cause I think it's like 41 games. 40 to 40, it's like 40 and a half is like one fourth of a season. So, I mean, anyone that's at five home runs by the 40th game, they're on pace for 20 home runs. And you currently have one, two, three, four, five guys that are at that number. And, you know, five guys that could easily be at that number, you know, by the end of the month or, you know, in another week or so, like, if Edmund, you know, has a hot week, Carlson could easily hit two home runs between now and then. Um, so if you just have a, a bunch of guys that hit 20 home runs, it'd be great. Um, we got the, two lefties coming up anytime soon. Bader <laughs> probably get there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think for me, um, don't get me wrong. Rockies are not a good baseball team and they do, they do have a lot of offense, um, but they are not good outside of cores. Um, they are 10 and eight at home. They're two and 14 on the road. Um, I think it's because they just don't produce offense outside of cores. Uh, the Cardinals shut them out twice. Um, I think that that's a, a big deal. I think especially in today's day and age, shutting a team out is very hard to do with the long ball being as prominent as it is. So I think just getting one run is, is fairly simple. Um, so when a team shuts out another team twice in a three-game series, I think it's worth noting. So while, while yes, the Cardinals beat up on a bad Pittsburgh team, they beat up on a bad Colorado team, that's what they should do. Like, that's what you're going to do to be able to compete and run away with it. Um, I, I hate using the record against below 500 teams as a moniker because I think it – uh. Um, or I think it is this above or yeah, greater than 500. Okay. Um, because that 500, it's so, so arbitrary and it's based on where they're at for the entirety of the season, not where they were when you played them. Um, so I, I think it would be more accurate to say like, what was your record against teams that are below 500 at the point you played them? Yeah, <clears throat> but that isn't what it is because I know when I looked at it earlier today, the Cardinals it's were probably... six and eight against teams that were greater than five hundred, and now they're ten and ten. Yeah, that's weird. Um, and yeah, probably really hard to get that data, you know, because they don't really pull advanced right. numbers like that. Well, because so. a big part of it is like Cincinnati won today, so. Like Cincinnati is, uh, they're they're at 500 now, so that changes that complexion because there's six more games yeah, that were played. Yeah, all the games. Yeah, so they went four and two against the the Reds so far. I think, um, yeah, four and two against the Reds. So it added six games to that record 
because the Reds are now at 500. Well, if the Reds lose tomorrow to Pittsburgh, then that record falls back to six and eight. You know, um, if the Cardinals sweep Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee's 19 and 19 then at that point, but when they beat them, they were above 500. So say the Cardinals sweep Milwaukee and then Milwaukee loses again. Well, those, the six games that they played against Milwaukee now no longer count towards your record against teams that are above 500. But when you played Milwaukee, they were above 500. They're just below 500 because you just beat up on them. So um, <clears throat> I don't like to use it because I feel like you're going to end up playing, like by the end of the year, you're going to have probably a pretty common mix of teams that are above 500 and teams that are below 500. So it's like, if, if that's what you're going to do, like, you know, it's, it, it's going to end up being like this, like the same thing all the time. I feel like, I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but so what I, I, what I look at are like, I guess teams that are expected to compete is, is the best way I could put it. Um, it's like, for example, the nationals are 13 and 17. I think the Cardinals dropped two series. I think they lost two out of three twice to the nationals. So they're two and four against the nationals being below 500. But I don't think the nationals are a below 500 team. I think they've gotten off to a slow start. Um, guys like Juan Soto haven't really produced at the plate. Um, they have like their first couple games. Um, well, Juan Soto gets. Yeah. I know, I know you're not a fan of him. He's crotch grabbing um, his way to a bad, you know, <laughs> He, he was doing, uh, he did do some hawking against the Yankees this past weekend, but no crotch grabs. Um, but like they <laughs> that's had guys, your fans were too busy yelling, fuck Altuve. That's true. They were <laughs> even after they left, you yeah, know, so. which was a great, he was like, I'm not doing, he was like, I'm not doing anything here. I'm yeah. I'll get shanked on the way out. Truth. Um, but yeah, so like they, they had the, wacky start to the season with um, all the COVID stuff. Um, they had a whole bunch of guys miss the beginning of the season because of that when they did start playing. Um, I think they lost like, a couple close games early on and games were like Brad Hand wasn't available. Now I get Brad Hand had a rough weekend against the Yankees letting up two walk-off wins, but it is what it is. So I, I, I think the, like, at the beginning of the year, if we had to predict, you know, if you went down the list, like, would the Mets finish above 500? Would the Phillies finish above 500? Would Atlanta finish above 500? So on and so forth. Granted, it's just a, a thought, but you you don't know till the season's over. You play those games, so that that's more what I'm looking at. Is that like, you know, what we talked about was everyone in the NL East likely could compete for a playoff spot, but it would take a very very strong year from Miami to do so. I think through seeing the first, you know. 30 games, 35 games. We know that that, that isn't where they're at. Like they're not there yet. Not that they're not that they're this terrible team, but they're probably going to finish last in the NL East. Um, so, so in situations like that, like the Mets, the Phillies, Atlanta, Washington, Milwaukee, Chicago, Cincinnati, San Diego, LA, like those teams are the teams that I'm like, all right, where, how do the Cardinals match up against them? You know, because those are the teams that we anticipated fighting for the division at the beginning of the year. And that when you consider like how the Cardinals are performing against those teams, 
it's not so great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I think I mean we got off to a pretty up and down start as well. So that's why I think this week coming up in the San Diego series, um, I haven't seen what pitchers we would face if that's available. Um, um, but San Diego is just a good baseball team all around. Um, so maybe you don't get. I mean, Snell's not you know pitching his best, but like if you if you don't see a U Darvish, I mean their offense is you know still something to beat, but. Um, Correct. Like it, it definitely isn't like the the end all be all. Yeah. Um, and then like, Milwaukee's oh. playing pretty good right now. They got yeah. Oh no, you said yeah. himself again. Is back on the yeah. the IL. Yeah. Um, but no, and it's and again, like it is this the same team that you're gonna see when you know, um. Like for so according to fantasy, the Cardinals have uh, Peralta, Woodruff, and then uh, to be determined on Thursday against Milwaukee, then Musgrove, Paddock, and Darvish. So they're getting the the back end of San Diego's rotation. So is this going to be a good sign of what's what's come what what's to come if they face in a in a playoff series? Sure, of course not, because you know you're you're gonna get Darvish, you're gonna get Snell, you're gonna get Lamette, you know, um, like you're gonna have Musgrove mixed in there. Um, they have Paddock that would be capable of coming out of the bullpen. So like the the team's gonna look a little different for sure. But like you said, San Diego's offense is gonna be there. So it's what does our pitching look like? If you get swept by San Diego and they're competitive games like you lose by one or two runs you're you're in every game you have a chance to win every game like the cardinals threaten but just don't score and they lose you know five to three like losing five to three to me is like and you stranded some runners is much different than losing two to nothing and stranding runners um so it isn't necessarily about wins and losses it's about like how how you're performing against those teams, knowing that you're not necessarily seeing the best matchups and what and what you could get, whatever. But it still should give you a pretty good idea. I mean, like last time they played Milwaukee, they lost two out of three. So hopefully you you know you hope to win a series here. You know if you can go three and three in these six games, cool. Not the end of the world from a standing standpoint. Teams probably aren't picking up a whole bunch of of room on you if you're playing 500 baseball, like. For for someone to catch the Cardinals at this point, if they play 500 the rest of the way out, another team has to play seven games above 500, which isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, if it was, there would be more teams that are seven games above 500, and I think there's two currently. Um, but it's it's been when they've played those those teams though, like they lost a series to Philadelphia and split a four game series two and two. They split a four game series against the Mets where they didn't have to face Degrom. Um, so it's like if, if they see the Mets later on and Degrom's back and Syndergaard's back, what does that look like? Um, you know, like they got shut down by Stroman. Um, you know, they they lost two yeah. series to Washington. They lost a series to Milwaukee. They lost a series to Cincinnati and swept Cincinnati. So Cincinnati's been kind of hot or cold. So it's just been. Um, it's kind of been when they're playing those competing teams, they haven't looked as good. And I, 
I don't know if it's that they've been inconsistent or they're getting shut down, like, or they're performing against bad pitching. And when they face better quality pitching, the offense struggles, which would, which would make sense. And we just view it as, Oh, they're inconsistent because that's been the Cardinals MO for the last four years. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's tough yeah. to tough to judge. But I think this next week, I think, will give a, a better picture. I think I think the Cardinals, if the Cardinals had faced DeGrom in that four-game series against the Mets, and that was one of the games they lost, I would feel, mu- like, I would feel much better about, you know, that split than the Cardinals playing the type of baseball they had been and losing two out, like, losing two out of four to a Mets team that – hasn't really gotten it going. Like Lindor is not doing anything. Um, the pitching's been mad. Like really like the only, like the best pitcher they have is Grom and the Mets manage to find a way to lose every time he's on the mound. So Yeah, that's why we didn't win one of those games. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe they, they do, but if you do split and you face the Grom who's arguably one of the best pitchers in the league right now, then you're it's it's you know and, and again, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like Musgrove's a terrible pitcher. I mean, he had success against the Cardinals in Pittsburgh. He threw a no-hitter earlier this year. So it's not like he's a scrub by any means. Um, but it just – it isn't – it isn't their, their top guys. You know what I mean? So. But you still got to shut down their offense. If the Cardinals win, you know, say they win two out of three or they sweep San Diego and they win every game – 10 to 8, 7 to 5, just like that, and they're letting up decent runs. I think that that doesn't bode as well. Because, like, and again, I don't know who's pitching for the Cardinals either. It's like, if it's like Aviedo, Martinez, and Flaherty, then you kind of, it's six and one half dozen of another, you know, because you're, that's obviously not who the Cardinals are going to run out in a postseason series either. Yep. So, really, in any series we run out right now, with the way we've been pitching for the past week and a half, I currently expect any pitcher, any starting pitcher, to go six innings. Like that's they've been going deep into games lately where they were not going to deep into games at the beginning. I.e., Wayno takes a full game, nine innings. I think he's just like on his like unsaid farewell tour, like you know, like the old man going nine innings. But let's look at Strong for nine innings. But uh, Jack Flaherty's going six or seven when he's out there. Oviedo's finding ways to go five or six. Um, Carlos Martinez consistently going six. I think he even went like eight his last time out. Um, uh, so I think I'm starting to because ex- I think he got I think he got hit around a little bit in his last. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, but so I think it was like one outlier in there. That he got hit around yeah. then. Yeah, and then and then that was I think the difference in that game is that it was an early inning. He gets hit around and then he bounces back and pitches. You know five or six more innings. Yeah. I think I want to say, I think it was ago, like the fifth. Never thought that. Yeah. I want to say, I think it was like the fifth, like he just couldn't get out of the fifth inning or something like that. I think he gave up yeah. like five runs in the fifth or fourth or fifth inning or something like that. But rare, rare occurrence. Like Martinez has definitely been a good pitcher. I mean, 4.35 ERA, like it's not superstar caliber by any means, but that is a very serviceable number four pitcher. And that's what where you have him in your rotation right now. Um, Kim, I think, could still pitch deeper in the games. Um, I think he probably could have gone deeper 
than the four innings he pitched, but it was the doubleheader, so it was only a seven-inning game. So in that in that aspect, you could say that like pitching through four is kind of like pitching through six because you're handing yeah. it off for the final three innings. Um, but I mean, he's only at like eight, ten innings pitched in four starts. And then Gant, he's bend but don't break. Um, you know, gets Rito. himself, yeah, gets himself into trouble, then gets himself out of it. Like he's somehow leading Fish the pumps team it right to the dugout. Yeah, he's he's leading the team in terms of ERA from starters, 2.15, 29 innings pitched. He's walked 24 guys and given up 26 hits. Um, so the, it's like that's the only other one. That like six starts, 30 innings pitched, 29 innings pitched. So he's at like that five innings a start. And again, like. I, I don't think that that's bad, but I don't know what that's going to do to the bullpen Look, come yeah. come July, August, September, if they're they're constantly picking that up. Now, like you mentioned, Flaherty, Wayno, Martinez, those guys are, are going six-plus innings, you know, pitching into the seventh, getting through seven pretty regularly lately. So if they keep doing that, then it's not the end of the world because, like, that extra inning, like – I think it's reasonable to assume the bullpen should eat three innings a night. Um, if you get six innings every night out of your starter, you're in great shape. Um, so if Flaherty's going seven every time through the rotation and Gant's only going five, then it's really the same amount of innings that they're eating, but you're just taxing Flaherty's arm at that point. Like you worry about how long he can hold up with Tommy John being as rampant as it is um, and all the different arm injuries. And like, you even see like DeGrom got scratched from his start. The Mets tried to pitch him over the weekend, had the same kind of lat tightness. They said that everything came back clean on his MRI, but he went to the IL anyway. So now it's, you know, two trips to the rotation that they don't have to Grom. Um, and that's a big deal. I mean, Flaherty's six and O under a three ERA at this point. Um, big strikeout times like teams are batting under 200 against him. Like he's been dominant on the mound. Like his first outing was pretty rough, but he's yep. really settled down since then. It's like, if you were to lose Flaherty for two trips to the rotation, like that could be a big deal. Like that could throw literally everything off. Um, like his timing could get wrecked. Um, you know, like it's, it's two extra starts that you need to get out of like an Aviato or, you know, the, like Gant has to continue to make, or that you're, you're turning over to Ponce de Leon. Like it's just, it's, you know, now at that point it is call it 12 extra innings that someone has to pick up somewhere that you weren't anticipating essentially. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, and I'm not saying like, oh, nope, they shouldn't. They shouldn't push Flaherty to, to be the best that he can. Like, you, you want him to do that. Like, as long as he's pitching effective, you want to leave him out there. <clears throat> and he's he's been doing it well. Granted, he's gotten a ton of run support, but he hasn't really needed it because um, he's pitched well. Yeah, he's just been pitching comfortable, though. You know, yeah, you get and, big leads like that, you pretty much just sit back and pitch. Yeah, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's what it is. I mean, so... Like, I, I don't know. Like, I I don't know how many innings he's pitched with the lead or anything like that. So it, it would be interesting. I'm certain it does make you more comfortable when you're like, ah, like I could give up a home run here and it doesn't mean anything. Whereas like, you know, Cole last year for the Yankees, it's like he gave up a solo home run and it's now it's one to one or one to nothing because he didn't really get yeah. a ton of love. Um, Jake DeGrom, um, Scherzer said it in his start against the Yankees. He gave up a home run to Higashioka 
And after the game, Scherzer was like, yeah, it's on me. And I think he pitched eight innings, gave up like four hits, gave up one run. And the Nationals blew the, blew the lead in the ninth. And then they lost an extra innings. And Scherzer was like, yeah, if I didn't give up that home run to Hagashioka, like I made one mistake. And if that didn't happen, maybe the outcome's different. Like we, we win that game in nine innings. And I was like, yeah, like you shouldn't have to be perfect every time you go out. Like your team needs to be able to pick you up. Um, so hopefully it continues because it would just suck to like, you know, if it's going to get to a point when like Flaherty, you know, lets up three runs and the offense doesn't show up and you're just like, Oh, like he's doing the same thing he's done all year and now he's not getting wins. Um, you know, kind of thing. So I don't know. It, it would be interesting to look into like how often he has pitched with the lead and like how early they've gotten him the lead or something like that. Yeah, I feel like this year he's pretty much had the lead early and often in most of the game. Like, he's pitched. Yeah, I feel like the Cardinals have scored early in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Like, we we score early, and then in previous, we'd be like, score early, and then... The Dylan Carlson in the two spot, and then uh, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and then the bottom three guys hitting... Uh, you know, Bader, uh, Bader hitting at the bottom, turning it over. Um, whoever's been down there has just been kind of hitting lately and been able to turn it over. Where we seem to get to the top of the lineup pretty quickly, um, and so we keep we're scoring runs in you know multiple innings, not just you know one big inning, and then our offense disappears. Uh, we're generating hits. I still we should we should still be stealing bases, um, but. I, I think it was Jim Edmonds talking talking to Danny Mac at a game this week, and they were talking about it. it's kind of like the Pujols effect. Like, you want to run because you know your team can run, but you have Albert Pujols coming up, so why are you trying to force outs when your job is to get on base for Albert Pujols? And so now in this lineup, you have a Nolan Arenado and a, um, and a Paul Goldsman. So if you're a Tommy Edmond, like your job is just to get on base because we're going to pay two other guys. So like one of these guys should drive you in. So like we, sh- we don't need to be pushing, but I still would like to see the Cardinals push the base pass a little bit because um, they have speed up and down the lineup. And if they're getting on base, they need to just add it to their game. And like if it, you... it needs to be something else to confuse pitchers, throw them off, like control games um, in more ways than one. No, I completely agree. And if you, like, yeah, you have a you have a Paul Goldschmidt, so why are you potentially running into outs? Sure, cool, got it. But there are so many more ways for a guy to score from second base with no outs than first base with no outs. And if you have runners in sec, you know, on second, then when Goldschmidt gets out or Arenado gets out, it isn't just a complete killer. Um, you know, yeah, Goldschmidt is is a, a above average first baseman. Like he's one of the better ones in the league for sure. But he's also human. I mean, is if he bats 250 all year, that's why you know the numbers reflect that mentality is why like, when Goldschmidt doesn't have a hit, the Cardinals don't score runs because you aren't doing anything to be aggressive on the base pass. So it's really hard to have a productive out with a guy on first base, like a ground yeah. ball in the infield. It's probably a force out at second, like probably best case scenario on a ground out on the infield. 
like unless like you hit like a slow roller somewhere um it, that's kind of like the same thing as a bunt which you you aren't wanting goldschmidt to do but a hard hit ground ball to anyone in the infield is just a four set at second and goldschmidt's maybe hopefully changing places with them and i just have a slower guy on base you know like yeah Pujols did what he did as a cardinal but Pujols also into a shit ton of double plays you know, like Goldschmidt does have a good bat and he doesn't strike out a lot. So hit and run with him. Don't even just straight up steal. Like yep. let, let his singles move runners to first and third. Um, a ball in the gap on a hit and run easily scores Edmund or Carlson. Like yeah, it just they've... generates so much more offense to be aggressive on the base pass. I will say the hit and run has been on a handful of times with Carlson in this past week. And we've seen Tommy Edmund go second to third easy, get the jump. I mean, the guy's lightning queen he's just one of those little fast quick guys you know it's just like once he gets going he's gone um but i i just think you pedal to the metal it right like you in some of these teams like yeah you're beating up on the team so like really push your team to see what they are good at so when you play the san diegos and the stuff like that it's you know something we've already been working on like we were on the base pass we know when harrison bader if if harrison bader is batting ninth and or eighth and leading the team in steals because he's actually hitting the base like it's opening up room because now he's on second and tommy Edmonds, you're expecting he's going to be on first so now we cannot walk dylan carlson so you're going to have to pitch him really well um if you strike him out you're probably not going to walk nolan arenado our uh, Paul Goldschmidt. So it, it becomes a massive problem for them if, you know, that Harrison Bader, that last guy, can really turn over that lineup. And so we'll just look, continue to that. Like I said, I think Harrison Bader currently is that cog right there. Um, and the other guys, you know, if if Paul DeYoung stopped hitting home runs, the lineup will probably look different. But you're getting your offense where you're supposed to get your offense. And so it's kind of refreshing as a Cardinals fan. It's Okay, especially you're talking about so well the outfielders. We didn't think Chris didn't think he was going to be doing that uh, so early about all of the outfielders and minus Justin Williams. But I'm not going to dog him in his first year. It's not so right. I mean, and to be fair, like I I don't know how sustainable the production you're getting from the outfield is going to be. Um, it has been great early on. Um, I don't think Bader's going to hit three home runs every 10 games. <laughs> no. Um, no. I mean, that's that's Bader being like a 45 home run guy over the course of a year. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to continue. Um, O'Neal with his five home runs in his 25 games. Sure. Like, you know, 20, 30 home runs. I could see him being in that range. So I don't think that's a big stretch. Um, but, I mean, he's batting 240. Bader's been really hot. He also is capable of disappearing at the plate for months at a time. So, yeah. and so that's what we talked about last week. Like, cool, you get Bader back from a rehab assignment, so he spent some time in the minors. Like, he's this is the Harrison Bader mm-hmm. uh, ebb and flow for show. Sure. Yep. Uh, like, he'll be good for that. three weeks, four weeks, yep. and then he'll be non-existent for three weeks, four weeks, and in the past he'll get sent down for a week and you'll fix whatever he's got going on and then he'll come back up here and he'll be hot for a little bit and then it all goes to shit again and whatever and like not that there's a you know like it it can't work out for him i mean cool maybe this will be the time he puts it together but i think you need more from de young um yeah i think like i i think that 
as much as much as I anticipate Goldschmidt's batting average ticking up, I expect Bader's to come down. Um, I think that it's possible that O'Neill's will come down, and I still think that O'Neill strikes out too much to be where he's at. Like, I think his on-base percentage is just god-awful. Um, like, his on-base percentage is worse than DeYoung's, and DeYoung's batting 60 points lower in batting average. Um, so, like, if O'Neill isn't hitting home runs, like, he just isn't doing anything. Um, so, it it's... I, I'm i not sold on... Like, I think the, the future of that team is still very much looking for a third outfielder, and it, it may it may be Lane Thomas if he gets a chance to play every day, but I think it'll be like Williams, Carlson, Thomas is likely the the outfield of the future. Um, but, we're going out to get Mitch Hanager. But who knows? Who, I, who bombs home runs in Seattle. I personally think that what the Carls need to do is just stay put, make sure Arenado doesn't opt out, and then, really, they need to invest money into Corey Seager in the offseason. Dude, um, that's, that's Aaron not need. leaving the team, dude. Have, did you hear his love for Albert Pujols? This is his favorite baseball player ever, dude. Yeah. He loves the Cardinals, dude. Cool. He's yeah. gotten two standing ovations, dude. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm well aware of what has taken place. Yeah. And, He's sold. And Arenado has him. said everything he needs to say to pull yeah. the wool over anyone's eyes. But I distinctly remember... Yeah. 10 years ago when everybody was like, there's no way Albert Pools is going to leave the Cardinals. There's no way he signed somewhere else. No, dude. Oh, Nolan Hernando, I think mm-hmm. agreed to take a pay cut to stay here. That's how much he likes it. Oh uh, yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. He football. was like, you know what? This isn't you know football. what? <laughs> I like this place. Yeah. I'm going to charge you less money. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he's bonafide, dude. He, he should like this place. Here, dude. He's like, I like this place. <clears throat> You guys play like you guys play shitty teams in the NL Central instead of being the shitty team in the NL West. Um, I like this. I like being the better team all the time. Hell yeah. It's cool getting to beat up on on the low hanging fruit of the NL Central. Right, and we and we were the best jerseys in the game, so Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Purple and black in Colorado is pretty sweet. It's not even the best jersey in Colorado. Who's got the best jersey in Colorado? Huh? Who's got the best jersey in Colorado? Uh, I'd have to say the Avalanche. <laughs> Their jerseys are weak. I'm not in. I like the old ones. <laughs> For sure. Oh. And the Broncos jerseys are just kind of orange. They're dumb, too. Yeah. They are. I thought we were going to say it first, and I was going to shut you down real fast. No. Um, but no, I but, I, mean, I imagine that Colorado jerseys yeah. here. You know, one of them's got to be the best. So. <laughs> one of them does have to be the best. I would vote it's the Rockies, <laughs> but um, but no, I I also think that Arenado will stay because I think he'd be ridiculous to walk away from you know thirty five million dollars a year for the next six years. Um, yeah. I just. In today's today's day and age, I just don't think he's going to get that. Yeah, um, and I also meant to laugh when you said they should invest in Corey Seager, which I would to- obviously be super excited in. But 
I mean, I, I guess I was surprised. Like, maybe we'll find some way for someone else to pay his contract. Maybe Colorado is going to owe us some more no, money. Like if that, but if you bring know. in, if you bring in a Corey Seager, I, I think, and in my heart, I believe that if you add Corey Seager to this team right now, that it makes the Cardinals a contender for the World Series. If you were to add Corey yeah. Seager to the team. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, just really adding like another, like just an impact bat to that now, lineup like now, that. But now, but now picture, but so, so now picture in the year 2022 when MLB, well, all right. Picture in the year 2023 when the MLB and the players union have come to an agreement and the strikes over and we have baseball back again, because we're not going to have baseball next year. Um, and the universal DH Whoa. is a thing. All right. So now you don't there like you so so now you don't even lose Paul DeYoung's bat. And you don't need him to bat in the middle of your lineup. Like Paul DeYoung can hit 7 home runs and bat 200 as your number 7 hitter as your number 8 hitter. Like you just don't want him doing that as your 5-hole hitter. But if you can get a lineup where you have like Edmund, Carlson, um yeah, Goldschmidt, Seeger, Arenado, so you can break up right, left, right. So you get that lefty in there, Seeger bat in the four hole. Then you could go with like, you know, O'Neill or, you know, future state, let's call it Lane Thomas or Justin Williams there. DeYoung. It'd be really weird not seeing Nolan Arenado until possibly the second inning. You know, yeah. like late in the second inning. Yeah, why? What difference does it make? I don't know. It'd just, it'd just be weird. It'd be weird to look at, you know? It, it would be, but, but I think you have a big... You have, you have a smaller guys in front of him. Yeah, you have a big... So, if if Arenado doesn't bat to one out in the second <laughs> inning, then it's been four up, four down, and that there's a different issue at hand. The, those four guys are going to be hard to get out all the time. However, yeah. if Arenado does bat in the first... You either you have either already scored runs or there's guys on base. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's like this whole like let's have Goldschmidt bat second so we can get him more at bats. No, that's dumb. Because you know seventy plus percent of the time Goldschmidt batting in in the the two hole he's going to be batting with no one on base. You call up. Call it 65% of the time, you know, because Edmonds on base percentage is going to be 350-ish. So 35% of the time he's getting on. So 65% of the time he isn't on base. So to say that per at bat, it's about the same. So 65% of the time after the first at bat of the game, you know, law of averages, Edmund isn't on base. So you have Goldschmidt batting with no one on. So whatever. It's not that, not that big of a game changer. Um, and what's the difference between like Arenado batting in the first with two outs and nobody on or, you know, batting, you know, now he's batting fourth. So it's like, all right, like maybe he gets up with guys on, but in that point you have Seager with guys up with guys on base and somebody on, cause you're fine with Arenado being in the four hole. Yeah. I'm just saying it'd be weird. Cause you're the Cardinals and you have Nolan Arenado on your team, and you're so your lineup is so good that he bats sixth, you know, or fifth. Like it's just yeah, it's so far and, down there. And that's it, well, but that's also assuming that like you're viewing it as your best hitters are in are 
batting in a certain spot and they don't need to be what your lineup should be is where you can get the most out of your guys spots. Um, that's why I like the example I like to use all the time when I talk about lineup construction is if you look at like uh, her uh, being in the third spot with McGee and um, what's his name Coleman batting in front of him. Well, and then you had Jack Clark batting behind him in the fourth spot. Well, her had great numbers, but not because he was like the best hitter on the team or anything like that, but it was a product of what he could do because he was a fastball hitter and you had Coleman and McGee on base. So if you threw anything that wasn't a fastball, they were stealing on you. And if you, if they got on base and you walked <laughs> and you walked her, then you were facing Clark with multiple guys on base so the best thing to do was to pitch to her and you had to throw fastballs. So you put a fastball hitter there and he raked. So it's like, to me, it's like Matt Carpenter. When you try to get him to be a power hitter, that's when his career went to shit. When Matt Carpenter was a doubles hitter batting at the top of the lineup, he was far more productive and far more valuable to the team. Um, I think DeYoung being that type of hitter, like a doubles hitter, when you aren't relying on DeYoung to be your home run leader on your team, that DeYoung's numbers would go up. Like if he stopped worrying about launch angle and just worried about like putting the bat on the ball and line drives and, you know, just like solid contact, maybe, you know, take a lesson from Matt Carpenter. Cause apparently he barrels the ball hard all the time. Always um, barreling the ball. Yeah. But I, I think that that would make, that would make DeYoung a better hitter. You know, like, um, Glaber Torres, I think, is a perfect example of making adjustments. Like, he just hit his first home run of the year um, earlier in the year. Uh, might have been yesterday. Might have been Saturday. I forget. But in the series against Washington, he hit his first home run of the year. And it's so, like the difference has been, that, like, not, not trying to be that power hitter has – led him to have his batting average climb. So early in the year, he was struggling. He was trying to hit for power, worrying about the launch angle, and he was popping up a whole bunch of pitches. Um, he was swinging over a whole bunch of pitches. Like, he just wasn't putting the bat on the ball at all. And now, since he got away from that and, like, wasn't worried about, like, they're like, Glaber, we don't need you to hit home runs. Like, that's what we have, you know, Stanton and Judge and, you know, we have... Sanchez who doesn't hit home runs or hits at all. Uh, but he's like, like the home runs will come. Like we have power up and down the lineup. We don't need that from you. Like, I just want you to drive the ball. Um, just take your extra base hits and the home runs will come when they come. And now he's batting 242. Like not, it's not where he needs to be. He probably needs to be about another 40 points higher, but it's climbing. I mean, what? It was only a week or two ago that we were talking about him batting below 500 or below 200. Um, so it's just moving that direction. I think that that's the same adjustment that DeYoung needs to make. Stop worrying about hitting home runs and, and go from there. Because, like, if he were at, like, Judge's numbers, like seven home runs batting 245, 250, no one would have shit to say about it. Everyone would be happy with where he's at. But that isn't what we need from, like, what the Cardinals need from him anymore. He needs that, uh, you know, like, the, that that old school Matt Carpenter approach, you know, like I'm going to hit 50 doubles lead the league, but I'm, but I'm only going to hit 10, 15 home runs. 
That carpenter just needs to retire. It's his best move. <laughs> hey, did you play? Uh, did you end up playing Aguilar or no? I did not. He's at home, man. He's at home. That son of a bitch. That's yeah. right. Oh yeah, he had a two-run home run. Two-run home run. But yeah, no, I full-heartedly agree, and that's why he. I just in general. Like excited about the uh, where we're currently at, but you know, still a long way to go. Still a lot of baseball to play. So <coughs> this is where we're supposed to be. It's probably you know maybe a couple more games than you thought you're gonna win, um, especially with the way your season started. So good on you. But um, plenty of games coming up. So gotta keep proving it for sure. Um, and like I said, like you know, we'll we'll continue to go through the week at a time. I'm. I think that the Cardinals did what they needed to do, um, but I think at the same time, it's when you when you win those series that like are gonna be hard fought. Like, you know, um, it like if they win the series against Milwaukee, I think it it gives the cushion that you can lose two out of three to San Diego and you're fine. If you go in and get swept by Milwaukee, well, now like you're in a spot that, like you you really bare minimum have to win a series against San Diego. You know, so it just it changes that perspective. Um, if the Cardinals would have taken three out of four from the Mets, then they could have only just won two out of three against Colorado, and it would be they would be fine. You know, because like five and two on that home scene or whatever, like that's that's good. Um, or four, yeah five and two like that. That's a good homestand. You know, like you're never going to be never going to be mad about that week of baseball, but it put yourself in a situation. Like I feel like we feel much different about the week. If they just went four and three, you know, like four and three and five and two sounds so different when one of the teams you played was the worst team in the NL. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and it's not to say that like the Cardinals are the only team that, you know, are, are victims of that sort of mentality. I mean, what the, the Dodgers just, um, just went through what, like in their last 10 games, they're like, they went two and eight on their road trip. I mean, if you want to call it a road trip, the last couple games were against the angels. So they were in LA, just not their home ballpark. Um, but I think they went two and eight and it was like. The, the teams they lost to like weren't weren't anything significant um like they lost i think it, like it started with yeah like they split two games against the the mariners then they lost three out of four to san diego lost two out of three to cincinnati um lost three out of four to milwaukee got swept by the cubs and then lost two out of three to the angels on that road trip now, life gets a little bit easier for them. Like, they play two against Seattle, then three against Miami, four against Arizona. So they have a little stretch here that hopefully they can bounce back. But Cubs, L.A. aren't necessarily the, the teams that are, you know, striking fear into the hearts across baseball at the moment. Um, but as I'm saying, like, it just it puts you in that situation, like, real quick now. I mean, they're we were talking about them running away with the West and they're back to 18 and 17 because they played bad baseball for a week and a half, you know, and the, the Cardinals are the same point. Like 
if the Cardinals lose, you know, what they have, Milwaukee, then San Diego, and then who do they play? I think it, it's like Pittsburgh and then Chicago. I mean, if we play bad to Milwaukee and drop games to Milwaukee, we're going to lose one right there. And then if we follow bad, I mean, and Milwaukee keeps winning, we're going to, I mean, it could go south pretty quickly here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like if you if you lose the series, say you lose two out of three to Milwaukee, two out of three to San Diego, which are, which are doable. So you're at two and four at that point. And that's like, all right, if you come back and you have two against Pittsburgh and then three against the Cubs. We talk about, like, the Cubs and the Reds. Right now, they probably aren't the best teams in baseball, but they, like, the NL Central, I feel like they play each other tough, with the exception of the Pirates. The Pirates just aren't a good team. They they were 500 for a while, but I think they've lost, like, five in a row. They're 14 and 20. They aren't a good team. They aren't expected to be a good team. You should beat up on them. And that's your game series. Hopefully you can bounce back and edit. So even if you go two and four, when you add in the two games against Pittsburgh, hopefully you're at a point that you're four and four. But what, like what uh, the Dodgers managed to do was like to have that two game series, which was a three game series against the angels and then shit the bed with that. So it's like if you split against Pittsburgh and then drop two out of the three to the Cubs, like now it went from like, just being able to like stem the tide. But now in this two weeks, like you've went what three, nine, like you're like four and 10. So that seven games above 500 became one game above 500 real fast because you just aren't winning series. Um, and that that's been the track record so far with the Cardinals. And that's why I was saying like they're it's been a blessing that they've finished these sweeps because they've lost to the teams that we would consider quote unquote contenders. So if they drop a series to Milwaukee and San Diego and the White Sox and they have the Dodgers starting at the end of the month. So it's like if they if they lose those series, they're they're going to need to continue to beat the teams they've been beating up on the Pirates, um, you know, probably take, you know, three out of four from Arizona in that four game set. You, know, you got to win a series against the Cubs. Um, you're just putting the pressure on that, like if that series ever comes that you just like, you just don't have it like, or like the other team can do no wrong. Like guys just get hot. Um, you know, a, a Wade Miley throws a no hitter or a John means throws a no hitter. Um, yeah. It, which is just going to happen from time to time. <clears throat> you're, you're just like, Oh shit. Like now we're like just in this downward spiral that we got to write the ship. Like we just got to win, win one. So if you can just hold your own, you don't have to sweep Milwaukee. You don't have to, you know, just sweep San Diego, like just three and three, like just be, you know, be competitive. Don't, don't get shit on. Yeah. Play um, good baseball. Yeah. Like if you, if you lose, you lose. Like if they, if they go two and four, one and five in these next six games, but they're, they're hard fought matchups. Like, like you said, like they play good baseball. I don't even think that that's that detrimental. But if you play bad and then that carries over into that Pittsburgh series and that carries through like that five game homestand, like it, it can get real bad in a hurry. Um, Cause it, they're, they're in a little, in a little tough stretch of their, of their schedule. You know, like <clears throat> they're just a, a, a lot of good teams that are sprinkled in. That's like, you, you got a little bit to write the ship here and there. They just don't really have like a stretch against bad teams until like the end of June. That's like the first time they really get like a break where they, they have like a week where they just play 
crap teams. It's like Miami. It's like Miami, and then they play Atlanta for four, and then it's like Detroit and Pittsburgh, and then Arizona. <laughs> so it's like the end of June. Things get a little easier, with the exception of that four-game series against the Braves. If you're talking about con- contenders, quote unquote. <laughs> Don't worry, boys. June is <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Just a couple months away, but you could yeah. like they could they could fuck around, and if they if they get into one of that those stints where like their offense disappears, they they could drop like they could very easily play five games below 500 for an extended period of time. Um, and it's, it just can be, is it, does it mean like if that happens, they won't win the division? Of course not, but it can just be, it can be rough on the psyche. I mean, like the Yankees just went through it. Like they were, they're still kind of riding the ship. It took two walk-off wins over the nationals on the weekend to, you know, get where they are. If they don't come back in those games, you know, they're 16 and 18 rather than 18 and 16. Um, I think when they, they won one game and they won like a one game above 500 and it was like the first time they were back over 500 since they were three and two. And it's just like, man, like you don't think about that. But like that's a long stretch of games that like they were playing below 500 baseball. Um, that like they just couldn't get back over the hump. And it took like back to back good weeks to really get to this point. Like they went, six and one and five and two and back and like back to back weeks. And it's like, man, like that's, that's really good baseball. And all it did was like erase the the two shitty weeks you had earlier in the year. Um, so you just try to avoid like that, that huge downfall. And I think this is one of those, yeah, yeah. one of those time frames for the Cardinals that it could happen. Um, not by no means am I saying it definitely will. I'm saying, this is that slippery slope kind of time frame where they need to to make sure they're on it and you know take it a day at a time. If they lose, just shrug it off. Come back out tomorrow. You know, right. talking about you, Harrison Bader, when you don't hit righties, just keep your yeah. chin up. Don't worry, there's a lefty coming up. You'll be there for him. But what I can say though, you've been you. You were talking smack about him early in the year. He got off to kind of a slow start, but you haven't had a lot to say recently about Mr. John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, nobody watches John Carlos Stanton play baseball really anyway, so it's not really a big deal. That's not true. It's not like headlines or anything. That's not true. You know, for I read a story earlier today that there's the Yankees are just boring. You know, so. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> what a boring team. I will I will say they are just kind of by the book. Like it is uh there's not a lot of fire. Did you read that article yet? Uh, I read a little bit of it. Um Did you get to the part where it was like I there was something about like I don't remember a time when uh you know Brian Cashman's so untouchable but he hasn't won a World Series. You know like when has that been okay for the Yankees fan base? They're like he makes all the right moves, we just don't win championships. It's all good. Like he don't touch him, and I'm just like, Max Max does like some him to Brian Cashman. <laughs> so I, he's not so really I holding say, Brian Cashman, you know, to the championship winning caliber, maybe. So there, there's a fine line, and you know, there's probably it's probably not even that fine, but there is definitely a difference between a team that is not winning because they aren't performing, and a team that is not winning because they are not a championship caliber team. 
Um, because they got cheated on and maybe yeah. could have so, won. But so got a, on. yeah, so A, we should have went to a World Series in the 2010s because we should have went in 2017, but the Astros fucking cheated. So it is what it is. Whatever. Fine. You know, it's been it's been 12 years, 10 or 11 years so far. Um, and they've they've been competitive. I mean, like we were in the ALCS in 2017. Um, you know, we were you know, a couple outs away from going back to the ALCS last year. Um, they, you know, had hard fought series and got knocked out in the first round against the Red Sox in 2018, uh, who went on to win the world series. Um, yeah, I go. And a lot of teams last year, like most people, me included, didn't expect them to get past Cleveland in the first round. And they handed Cleveland their ass. Um, so, like, they I, – I don't think it is a lack of Cashman's moves or, like, the owners being, like, ah, mediocre, you know, mediocrity is acceptable, you know, or anything along those lines. I do think that it has been players not performing to the standard that they need to because I, I wouldn't even say it's on Boone. Like, it's not like Boone's making bad decisions – um, I think each of the last, cause like 2019, we also got knocked out by the Astros in the LCS. So I think it's been like each of the last two years, our season has ended with arguably our best reliever, like our go-to guy being on the mound. Um, so Boone has given the team every opportunity to win. Um, we needed starting pitching after 2019. So they added Cole we needed additional starting pitching and they went out and they filled it with Tyon Kluber. Um, yeah, like we're, we're getting guys, we're getting guys back. Other guys stepped up. They gave some young guys, some shots. It's like Cashman has made, he's, he's not made all the moves that I would have liked him to make, but he has made enough to make the team competitive. Um, I would have liked to have seen them at a catcher. I, I, I had said that I was on the give Gary Sanchez one year, but I didn't think it was going to work out. I was also on the give Gary Sanchez one year when Salvador Perez was my contingency plan. And the moment he signed that extension with Kansas city, I was not happy at all about the fact that we sat back and missed out on Real Muto. Um, Cause I think that that's just uh, a game changer. And like, yes, Agashioka has been fine. Like he catches a great game, but he's, he's batting 222. I think that that's, realistic where he's going to be like 250 is the high end of what you're going to get well, from him average wise um we'll call the cardinals and come and get you some andrew kisner um yeah, yeah i like i yeah i i wouldn't be opposed to it i mean i i don't know that offensively he's much better off but i think he has a higher offensive upside than higashioka does um, and, and i think better than gary Sanders. Oh yeah. I, I don't know what Gary Sanchez's deal is. Like maybe, maybe it would be different if, you know, the Yankees didn't have Stanton and Sanchez was just trying to fall into a DH role and they were just like, like, Hey, figure out what's going on with your swing. You know, don't worry about being good behind the plate, but he put so much effort and don't get me wrong. He, he isn't phenomenal defensively by any means. Um, he's got an arm like a cannon. Uh, his like his percentage of like throwing runners out is 
pretty significantly high. Like, it's, I want to say it's close to, like, Molina early on. But if a ball's in the dirt or anything like that, like, I would imagine, like, his blocked ball rate, his pass ball percentage, something like that, that shit's probably significantly higher than Molina's ever was at any point in his career. Um, so from an arm standpoint, great. From a mobility standpoint, he's fucking atrocious behind the plate. He's probably as mobile as I am back there. Um, so if he didn't have to focus on that, because that was a big gap in his game, and it's what everyone talked about when they brought in Stanton in 2018, and that's really been when Sanchez's numbers from a career standpoint, like started to, to dip. Um, yeah, I mean, like he, like 2016, he played in 53 games. He hit 299, 20 home runs. 2017, he played in 122 games. He hit 278 and 33 home runs. And then 2018, he played in 89 games, hit 186. 2019, 106 games, hit 232. 2020, 49 games, hit 147. So it was like from the time frame that they were like, hey, if we're going to have you in the lineup every day, we need you to be better defensively. And when he shifted his focus to that, his offensive numbers have become dog shit. So I just don't think that this is – I don't think this is where it's going to be. Um, yeah, he, needs, he needs to change the scenery. Yeah, because like – he played in 2017, like a bulk of his games were at catcher, but like it was like he committed 13 errors. There were 16 pass balls. Like it, it wasn't good. Um, you know, like, but they, they had him DH, you know, like 18 games, 2018, you know, it's more the same, you know, six errors, 18 pass balls. You know, nothing, not, not good. It's not great. Gary Sanchez is waiting for the NL to get the DH, you know, open up at the team base. He can go to. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that's yeah. really, in my opinion, like where, where he needs to be. Um, and I think that that was, you know, like at that time frame is like really when I think it sunk in that it was like, if you want to be on with, if you want to be a Yankee, here's what you need to do because now we have an everyday DH and Stanton or judge because we have Hicks and we have Gardner and they're going to play center and left and then judge or Stanton will be out right. And the other one's going to be the DH. So there's not a spot for you to DH anymore, Gary. So you're going to lose at bats if you can't figure out what's going on behind the plate, because we're not going to pay you if you can't catch to be a catcher. And I think that that's reasonable, Yep. but it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to get fixed. Like, I don't know why they thought that, you know, three years was a fluke. It's like the same shit we're yelling about with Matt Carpenter. Like, yeah, Sanchez might have a stretch where he hits a couple home runs in, in a few games and he looks good and he's hitting the ball hard and he's barreling the ball and, you know, all the sabermetric nonsense that people want to spew out to make it seem like these guys are just unlucky and not struggling but it's like, man, like, I don't, I don't care what you're doing or what you're not doing. What you're not doing right now is not producing. So that's all I care about. Yeah. Like, you aren't yeah, having productive at bats. You aren't helping the team win games. So what are we playing you for? You know. Um, so at this point, I'm mean, like, if 
if you're comparing Higashioka and Sanchez, like, sure, Sanchez's offensive upside is significantly higher, but either one of them cannot hit. You know, at least give me the guy that's better defensively. Yeah. You know, at least give me the guy that's, like, calling a good game. You know, at least give me the guy that's, you know, playing with a little bit of passion because he has a, a chip on his shoulder because he appreciates just every day he gets to be out on the field. Like, give me that guy. Right. Like, give me the guy that yep. has some heart. Don't give me the Gary Sanchez guy that's going to make excuses and just be a whiny little baby about shit. Give me Tommy Edmond at all positions. Yeah, like, just that guy. I don't care what position I play, coach. Put me in. Yeah, well, you I'm need me to play right? I'm trying to play yeah, baseball man. today. Yeah, you, that's where, all where I you care about. Me? What? Oh, we yep. need someone to throw BP? I got it. I'm in. Yep. Cool. I'm already yeah, like, I just, yeah, I just don't. <clears throat> I just, yeah, like, and, and I don't know, like, let's see. Let's see what the, let's see how, if there's a way to fix this in free agency. Uh, free agency class, MLB 2022. I know there's a ton of pitchers and a ton of free agents, or a ton of shortstops and a ton of pitchers that are going to be free agents. Let's see what the catcher position looks like for the class of 2022. Yeah, I know you weren't really worried about this because you seriously were like, ah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, there's one that. name. Kansas City. There's one name yep. I was worried about. Um, and then he, you know, was like, I don't want to win. I just want to stay in Kansas City. Yeah. I'll I'll get paid. Um, right. Well, yeah. there's, yeah, there, there's nothing, nothing flashy. There's no one amazing. Um, and they could go the, the Brian McCann route and sign Buster Posey, but I don't know how San Francisco lets Posey walk, especially after the year he's having now. Um, and if the NL gets universal DH, um, you'll be able to save his knees a little bit there. Um, Molina is a free agent technically, but he's either going to retire or be a Cardinal. Um, right. A ship sale. Yeah, then I then there's a a couple a couple interesting options, but I feel like they're kind of all in the same boat. Um you got like Travis Dearno in Atlanta, you know, they could sign Ted. Um you have like you Chris, Christian Vasquez, Tucker Barnhart, and Mike Zaninu and uh Boston, Cincinnati and Tampa Bay respectively. Uh Barnhart's a former gold glove winner in the NL in Cincinnati. I I feel like he is a another Gary Sanchez type of hitting catcher. Um, let's bring up his numbers real quick. Um, I'm not bring, I'm not big on Christian Christian Vasquez at all. It might be because he's in Boston, but I, Christian Vasquez. Who are you looking up? Uh, I'm looking up Tucker Barnhart. I'm just looking at like so. Those are really like um, Ted yeah. Vasquez, Barnhart, and Zanino are probably like the four best options. Um, Anyone else, like, they're going to be, like, 35-plus. I Because mean, you have, like, Kurt Suzuki, who's 38. Tyler Flowers is 36. Austin Romine is 33, but he was a he was a Yankee already, and they didn't they didn't want him to be the catch for the future. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, you could go after, like, a, like a Christian Bethancourt, who's, you know, a younger catcher, 30, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, you know, like Stephen Voigt would be a free agent, but he's 37 years old. It's like, if you want to get a guy that's going to be, you know, that you're able to sign to be your catcher for a little bit, um, I feel like Dearno, Vasquez, Barnhart, Zanino. Uh, Zanino, that's, those are probably the guys you're looking at. 
Um, so A, Barnhart is a, um, pretty sure he bats left-handed. So Yankees would always use more left-handed hitters. Um, I'm also, just so you know, I'm also on the uh, sign, sign Corey Seager train for the Yankees. Um, I'll get, uh, yeah, I'll I mean, get who, more. I'll get more into that in a, in a second. Who, who doesn't Corey Seager make better? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Barnhart, he has been, he's only played with the Reds, uh, eight years. So it's like 650 games, but he's a 250 hitter career. Um, oh, never mind. 47 home runs. Do, yeah, he doesn't hit for a lot of power. I thought he was more of a power hitter, but no, he's only hit 10 home runs twice. Um, but he has two gold gloves, 2017, and he won the gold glove last year. Um, so I know he like shuts down the running game. But, uh, and I would say that like, oh, lefty, power swing, short porch and right field. But he plays in Cincinnati currently. So if you're not a home run hitter and you play 81 games in Cincinnati, you probably aren't going to be a home run hitter anywhere else in baseball either. He's not a home run hitter. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's fine. Um, so yeah, so I would say like Darno from, it would probably be the route I would want them to go from a free agent standpoint if they were, if they were to go that route. However what I would like to have happen in my, my perfect realm is sign Corey Seager. You don't have, you don't have an option at DH cause you have Stanton there. So Seager's going to play shortstop. So you have to find a new home for Torres. All right. Mm-hmm. Torres makes a much better defensive second baseman than he does a shortstop. You can just look at his numbers. He's committed far more errors, even though he's a natural shortstop. He was way better defensively at second base. So you move him to second, which means you got to find somewhere for DJ. <clears throat> and he can go to either first or third. I think that Urshela is better defensively. Like Urshela at third and LeMahieu at first is a better defensive infield than Voight at first and LeMahieu at third. And I think Voight gets you more currently. So what I would like to see them do is after the Phillies struggle again this year, even though they spent all the money that they did and bringing Real Muto back and they signed Didi and all, all this jazz, I think they're ready to say, mm-hmm. like, hey, we need to blow it up and rebuild a little bit. So you get them like Voight and Duhar like one of your young pitchers and you trade for Real Muto, you sign Seager. Boom. We're, we're back in the world series boys. You know, we cut, mm. we cut payroll. So they reset the, the salary cap, our luxury tax penalty. You know, you got Real Muto catching, LeMahieu at first, Torres second, Seager at short, Urshela at third, Hicks in center, Judge in right, Frazier in left. You know, yeah, cause, cause that's I, a pretty I good got faith fantasy in Red scenario. Thunder. I got faith in Red Thunder. There's a there's a pretty good uh, life living in like a fantasy scenario, but for a boring team like the Yankees, I don't think <laughs> they'll ever happen. <laughs> yeah, they're boring because they just they don't have. They don't have any pizzazz. Like, there's no, like, 
I don't they they don't seem like they have fun. That that's, that's what I will say. They're, they're too much yoga, dude. Relax. Maybe, maybe. Too relaxed. Maybe they're too zenned out. Um yeah. <laughs> I like that Chapman shows some life on the mound. Um I think that well, he's like, only out there so often. Right. I, I know. And he's not in the he's not in the dugout or he's not yeah, he's not in the dugout. No, yeah, he's, so out he's not in the like, bullpen. So he's he's not giving that energy to guys all day. Right. He's not he's not waynoing it up. Yeah. You know, they the don't, bullpen they don't guys are jacked guy. up. You know, you have like yeah. Garrett Cole, who's like the most straight laced, boring by the book dude that just like does his thing, focused in, clears the mechanism. That's all he does. He just I, I pitch well. My name's Garrett and I pitch well. That's what I do. Um but yeah, they just it's don't rude. they just don't seem to be having fun. And and I think part of that uh I honestly believe part of that is the New York Yankee fan base. It's that's their fault. So like you you have a young kid in Torres that like just can't enjoy himself like he can't let loose like he can't just have fun because oh, there's no place for that in baseball you know like I I feel like Yankees fans are some of the first ones to be you know like you shouldn't bat flip you should be able to hit a guy when he pimps a home run off of you and it's like no I I'm not the Yankees fan in that ballpark like in that that's that's sitting in that boat. Like, that boat can sink. Like, that mentality can go away. I want these dudes to have fun. Like, I'm all about, like, I want there to be choreographed home run walk-offs. We don't. You know, like, I, I want there to be celebrated like touchdowns were. You know, like, I want the bob and weave of M- of MLB home run celebrations. Like, that's what Dude, I want. Yeah, but someone will, someone will take that away from me, Spags, the bob and weave, you know. I know, but it's Stables dumb. They had it, and then they were like, no, that's too fun. Right. Too, that looks too fun. It's, Nobody else is doing it like they are, so. No, like, I I would love, like, could you imagine, like, just being a kid at the ballpark and you're just, like, part of what your interest is is, like, you hope there's a walk-off home run because you just want to see what they have planned. Even yeah. if it's the same thing every time, I don't even care. If it's the same thing, that's fine. Like, if that's what the team does, cool. Like, everyone, every, when the Rams scored a touchdown, when they were the greatest show on turf, everyone knew what was coming. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the the Falcons had the dirty bird. Like, everyone knew what was coming. And as soon as they scored a touchdown, everyone in the stands was doing it along with them. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Um, like, it was <laughs> such a big thing here. I, I would love for that to be the same. Even even rap music talked about, like, bobbing and weaving and doing the dirty bird. Yeah. Because it was a big deal. You know, if rap's yeah. talking about it, it must be if positive. If TikTok was a thing, dude, if TikTok was a thing. <laughs> that oh, would dude. totally be a TikTok challenge. Totally would Yeah, dude, for challenge. sure. The Dirty Bird Challenge, <laughs> yeah. the Bob and Weave. Ooh, we should bring you back the Bob and Weave Challenge, dude. <laughs> we could be those guys. Perfect. Yeah, but everyone nowadays on TikTok would be like, St. Louis had a football team? Wait a second, what? People what? Is Harper with... <laughs> what? Yeah. The Rams, they play in that. L.A., Duh. Yeah. Um. You guys. Uh. You guys did the Battle Hawks. Um. Okay. Maybe boomer. you forgot about them. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Um. Boomer Jack. <laughs> but, but yes. So. See, so yeah, like, I, like, I think that that's part of it. Is that like, I would agree. They, they are a boring team. Like, they, they don't have the like. Uh, I mean, they no aren't making there. headlines. They aren't making headlines for bad reasons either. So I'll give them that. Like, there's no Amir Gar- Amir Garrett of the New York Yankees. Um, 
you know, there's no, there's no, like, I, I'm trying it to think. a like, total tool bag. There's no Trevor Bauer no. of the New York Yankees, um, which don't worry, like Trevor Bauer for a long time, I was a fan. Like I, I like the way he went about things. I think the way he propositioned himself and pitched himself, he got a great deal. See, he got paid way Trevor more Bauer than Trevor Bauer was a friend of the show. Yeah, yeah he, he was got, a friend of the show. Yeah, paid way more money than he should. But where he lost, where he lost respect for me, is that like he was talking about how, how like, oh, everything's all in good fun. Like when other people are doing it, and like I wouldn't care. And then when Tatis hit the home run off of him, and like looked back at the dugout. And I put one one hand over his eye, like taking a shot at Bauer because that's how Bauer trains with one eye covered to help on his accuracy um, or some nonsense. But Tatis right. took a shot at him about it, and then he was like, "If he does it again, I would just you know be careful how how close he steps into the plate." And it's like, dude, you openly talked about how that should be fine, and you should be able to fist pump. And you should be able to flex on a guy and all. It's like, how are you going to get mad about Tatis hyping up his his teammates after he hits a big home run off of you? But then you're going to wear cleats that depicts Castellanos like flexing on Woodworth, Woodford. What was his name? The the young kid yeah. from the Cardinals. You're going to wear cleats mm-hmm. to depict that, but then you're going to get mad because someone takes a shot at you after hitting a big home run off of you. And a, with your team, that's probably your biggest rival. Grow up, dude. Grow up, Peter Pan. Count Chocula. Yeah. Like, just such a baby. It's like, it was at that moment, like, that kind of shit, that I'm like, man, fuck you, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> yeah. He's a tool. And your $40 million contract. I'm just glad it's with the yeah. Dodgers, because they're a bunch of tool bags anyway. I feel like they're big, gigantic babies. Every team out in L.A. Yeah. The Kings, the Dodgers, a bunch of babies. Rams. Yeah. Anyone that like works in the vicinity of Crocky, they just immediately become a POS. So Yeah, pretty much. Um X. But yeah, so so that's so I agree they're a boring team. I think part of it's to do with the fact that like people just don't let them have fun because there hasn't been the winning. Um and everyone's like, well, if you don't win a championship, you shouldn't enjoy yourself. Like, you should want to kill yourself. You should hate life. Yeah, but, and that, but who's that their fun guy? Who's their, who's their fun guy? Because when you look at, like, a San Diego, you're like, man, Tatis is that guy, right? And Manny Machado can be that guy. Yeah, and that's where um, I think it who, would be the, like, the, the, the baby bombers. Like, it would be Torres. It would be Urshela. It would be Judge. Like, that, like that's who it would be. Like, the passing of the guard from the core four this is the next thing. Um, yeah, but which one of them currently is like, and I get it, they're like not hyped up all the time, but like, which one of them's like leading the pack and like getting people riled up or like not, they just not don't of do them. that? None of them currently. Yeah. And that's why I think that like, who I think it should be is Glaber Torres. That's who I think, that's the role I think he needs to, to fill. Um, like, I think he needs to bring that fun. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, really, right, really, game. right now, like I would say the one person that probably enjoys themselves the most is Clint Frazier. But he's in the same boat. Like, all anyone talks about is how he's not performing, and he's, he's not. Don't get me wrong. Like his numbers suck. Like he is not having a good year. Um, 
but I'm I'm for it. Like I like he's made a couple like highlight reel catches. Um, he made like a layout diving grab, and you know when he got back to his position, he like pulled his chest like his shirt open, like he was showing you know like Superman. Like that's why like he signed a ball and like gave it to Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively when they were at a game, and that like was uh like Ryan Reynolds tweeted out about it and said that like you know like when he signed it it was like um to Green Lantern from Red Thunder. That's <laughs> like when he signed it. It's like he's had less. He like he threw a ball to Spike Lee to get Spike Lee to sign it, and then he signed a ball and threw it back and gave it to Spike Lee. And, but he wanted Spike Lee's autograph, and he did that like during the game. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, like he like to me, I think that like that's what they should do. Like, you should make acrobatic catches and leave it all out on the on the field. But all anyone's gonna bitch about, like, are all anyone's gonna say about is like, well, Clint Frazier's batting 143. Like he's sucking it up. He's not helping the team win. But this is his first year being an everyday starter, and even after Boone came out and said that's our everyday starter, Gardner's gotten a ton of at bats. Like Frazier has 84 bats on the year. Gardner has 60. That seems a lot like split in time versus one of them being a starter. Yeah, that's like barely one of them's a starter. <clears throat> yeah, that's like Fra- just enough games to be like, well, he's played more games. Right. Like Frazier's played 29 games. Gardner's played 24. And yep, I get that, like Gardner's probably had some pinch hit appearances. So has Frazier, but they both play left field. Like that. That's where that's where it's at. Like. Whatever, it, like they're they're splitting time basically, and it's like lefties righties, for the most part. Um. <clears throat> so I like I'm I'm for that, but so for me that that's where it would be would be like Torres, Frazier, Urshela, Judge. Those are the guys that should that should be having fun, and then you'll have you know, like Lemayhu. Cole, um, Kluber, like you can, you can have like these, you know, these wily veterans that are in places, um, you know, but then you, you mix them in with like Davey Garcia, you know, Clark Schmidt, Michael Kings, who having a phenomenal year, um, pitching out of the bullpen, just, just looking good, just mowing people down, getting out of every situation doesn't matter what's going on. He's just going to come in and not let up runs, not do anything. Yeah, 12 innings pitched, zero ERA. <clears throat> um, but it's just like, like it's like they, they have that capability, but I just feel like no one, like no one wants to rock the boat because it's like the moment that they do and then the Yankees aren't winning – the fan base yeah like the, and, may, and maybe it's not even the fan base necessarily it's probably more like the media in new york which is always media been kind yeah of what's the headline yeah but yeah. they're gonna be like <clears throat> yankees two games below 500 no one seems to have a care in the world and it's just like dude like at the end of the day they're playing a goddamn child's game like this is stuff we learned how to play when we were a kid like they're just lucky enough like they're you know 26 the guys out of 700 that are lucky enough to do this for a living like Good on them. Fucking relax. Have more fun. Yeah, that's that's why I'm I'm all about it. Like it's like I I don't mind the Juan Soto hawking, like taking a step towards a pitcher and staring him down after every pitch that's a ball. 
I don't care at all. I had no problem with that whatsoever. It was the crotch grabbing that went along with it that I thought was excessive and uncalled for. Yeah. Like, cause that, that it just goes from like playful intimidation to being a douche. Yep. Yeah. Not like just, uh, like, uh, there's definitely like a respecting, like just, you know, baseball and people and fans and just in general. Right. Like, yeah. It's just a shitty move. Yeah. I'm like you, you, and he's young. I get it. Whatever. It's fine. Like I made dumbass mistakes when I was in my early twenties too. So yeah, I just wasn't allowed to make them on national TV <laughs> right. in a playoff game that millions of people are watching. Exactly. You know, so it, it is what it is. Um, but on like, I think what Tati said, like another home run in that game. And he did like the, uh, what's his name? Um, the UFC fighter, Conor McGregor. He did like his strut that Bauer sometimes does off the mound. Like, so Tati said that when he was walking back to the dugout after the second home run that he hit. I think that's just hilarious, man. Like, and you know, it's, you know, it's even better because you know, he was like, if I hit a home run off this dude today, I'm going to do these things. It wasn't just like, Oh, here it goes. Like, uh, what does Bauer do? You know, he like, if I, if I hit one off him today, I'm going to do this. And then after that one, he was like, man, if I catch him again, I'm going to do this, you know? So you got to imagine it was a little planned out. So that's how he's preparing. He's like, I'm going to hit home runs off this dude today. Yeah. Um, so Fernando Rodney, uh, he like, he's been a closer for a couple different teams, but I'm more familiar with him in his time frame when he closed for Tampa Bay. So whenever he closed yeah. out a game, he would always like pull an arrow back and like fire Shoot an arrow. arrow up into the crowd. Yeah. I would love the moment that if someone hit a walk off home run off of him, when he got the home plate, I'd fire an arrow off for sure. Yeah. For sure. Like that's, that's where it would be. Um, or even like after you hit it, you know, cause like what it was was supposed to be like him signaling the fireworks was like where it started. Um, even though in Tropicana, they have a closed dome and they don't fire fireworks, but that they're like one of the only stadiums that don't. And that's where it was. It's like, that's like what I think it's supposed to signify. I think I had heard somewhere, but either way, I don't care. I'm all for it, dude. Pump your chest, do whatever you do. I don't give a shit. Have a celebration. It should be welcomed. That's what I'm saying. Like when someone hits a home run, like that's, that's how it should be. Like, I, I think you should see how high you can flip your bat when you hit a big home run. And I think the other right. team should just be okay with it. Like, I don't think anyone should have yeah, to worry about hit getting home run. hit. Like, you shouldn't get hit by a pitch because you you pimped a home run. Now, if you do some douche play, like if you come in spikes high at second base or put your arms up and, like, try to run through a, a player, you know, or something, then, yeah, maybe you get hit by a pitch. Um, if a pitcher is like just frustrated for X, Y, or Z and they throw at a guy, then yeah, someone on his team should probably expect to be getting hit. I get that like hit by pitches happen and they don't feel good. But if it's an accident, like uh what was it? Was it Cabrera or was it Gallegos that hit Harper in the face? Cabrera. So Cabrera obviously didn't have it. He hit another guy. I think he hit Didi. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, what? Yeah, it's like it wasn't his his best night on the mound, but he wasn't. He it was none of it was intentional at any point. None of it was intentional. Like it was very apparent that it wasn't intentional. Like, so it's like shit happens. It's like just 
just walk it off. Like if you want to get them back, like if you like if you want to retaliate, then just fastball, hit a guy on the butt cheek, call it what it is, and be done with it. At that point, if the umpires want to, you know, warn each side, that's fine. I understand managers getting mad that like, well, two of my guys got hit, and now you're gonna warn both teams. I think like when they warn, they should tell the like the Cardinals should have been warned. Like, hey, if another one of your guys hits a guy, we're tossing you. Like. This is getting excessive. Something along those lines. But if that's going to be the case, then it should just be like, on your third hit batter, you're like, the pitcher is ejected. Like, your team gets two hit batters, and that's it. Third or more, the guy's automatically removed from the game. Intent or no intent. Like, just write it into the rules and be done with it. Right. But, well... I can be into that. Well, the... That guy hit a home run, and then he did a bat flip because he hit a big three-run home run late in the game to tie it up. So the next guy in now has to worry about being beamed in the back because that guy celebrated a big, a big moment. But if that, if your pitcher would have struck my guy out in that same situation, you better believe they would have been screaming, fist bumping, getting all oh, amped yeah. up, all hyped up, walking off the. Walking off the field. Five and everybody yeah. yelling real loud. Curtain like, calls. Yeah, know. like a, a great defensive play to like end an inning. Like you see the pitcher out there pointing, waiting for him to run all the way in to give him a high five and to do their little celebration. And there's nothing wrong with that. So why is it why is it frowned upon by the defensive team? Because if they did it, they would do the same damn thing. Like just stop. Just quit being a baby. It's fine. But... I digress. There's no crying so, in baseball. There, there is no crying in baseball. Um, yeah, so that's what the Yankees need. The media should let it happen. The media in general should let it happen. Fans around the world or around the country should let it happen. Um, just let the game be fun. Let there be shit talking. It's hilarious. You know, I love T.O.'s touchdown celebrations they were clever and funny <laughs> some of them were douchey like Chad sure. just in case. Yeah. yeah like so yeah some of them were some of them weren't the greatest but whatever you're gonna have a few duds some of my favorite comics have jokes that weren't funny that doesn't mean i enjoy them yeah when you less. yeah when you score a bunch of touchdowns you know you're gonna yeah. have some good some bad yeah when you're like i didn't plan six for today I yeah, I don't know what to do. My bad. I was still working on some <laughs> yeah, of these. Sorry, I was workshopping these, and you know, game started. Um, but what yeah. else we got? What else we got? I'm sorry, I forgot I had a sharpie in my pocket. <laughs> make the ref find the ball. Yeah, yeah it, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, <laughs> doesn't right, everyone so do we'll, that? So we'll uh, we'll we'll touch on this real quick. I don't have as I don't have the same gripes with the power rankings this week as I did previous weeks um yankees slid to number eight not a problem they essentially kind of stayed put my opinion um because a team that probably should have been in front of them to begin with jumped up and they were actually the team that have the biggest jump moving nine spots uh from 15th to sixth the st louis cardinals so i'm fine with the yankees sliding a spot to make room for a team that probably should have been in front of them last week anyway um so it seems like that's kind of how it goes uh, it's like one or two weeks that I guess people don't like buy in to what teams look like. Um, but crazily enough, like, you know, they did, they did drop the Dodgers. Like the Dodgers went from one to I think they're number seven now um, with their like two and eight little stretch that they're on here. 
Oh, that's so awesome. They're on a two and eight stretch. Yeah. So I'm like, how come you guys bought into the Dodgers sliding so quickly, but it took you two and a half weeks for the Yankees to dip. Um, I just be, be hard on my team. Be real. Don't make me think my team's better than they are. Or don't make me think no, that just, I'm I'm assessing my team inaccurately. That's more of what I'm. Everyone's about. just so nice to the Yankees now, you know. Yeah, no expectations, just soft. Um. So. Um. I know we said we were gonna get to fancy this week, but we're at like 140. So maybe this topic should be pretty quick. Well, because we talked about it a little bit, we just didn't expect it to be relevant so soon. Um, and that was the, I guess, the sad news for some. Um, I can't say that it was unexpected. Eh, it, it probably was unexpected just because of how much money he made that they would full on release him. Um, but I would say it's sad that like a a definite Hall of Fame career may have potentially quietly come to an end or came to an end in like the most quiet way possible. And the Angels releasing Albert Pujols. Um, I know last week we kind of touched on like what a reunion would look like if, you know, he were to be close to that 700 mark universal DH was a thing. And I think that there, that there's still room out there for that. However, if he doesn't sign somewhere else and play for the rest of 2021, I don't think you can do that flyer. Like maybe it's like a short contract and like you just let him play for a little bit and then retire a Cardinal kind of thing. Like let him have like his last home stand or something. But I think if he's been out of the game, like let's say he doesn't sign anywhere until spring training next year, you know, you're looking at what 10 months of non-competitive baseball at the age of 41. That's a, it's a tough ask especially yep. given that he's he's not super healthy. I Maybe his health will be better if he takes an entire year off, but his health has been a concern. He's definitely lost a step. Um, so I, and, I, and I don't think that the Cardinals could even remotely afford to bring him on this year. Like, they just don't have a roster no. spot for him, um, unfortunately. Like, maybe if they work something out where it's like, hey, we're just going to have you here for, like, the last homestand, like, Maybe if, like, the Cardinal season falls apart and, like, come, you know, September, they just aren't really in the hunt for a playoff spot or something, then maybe I could see them doing it. But I just don't. I don't think pools makes you any better than what you are right now. And you currently are. You don't even have enough roster spots for the people you'd like to have on your team that probably could help you win. So as much as the nostalgia would be appreciated by some fans in St. Louis, I just don't think that that's where he's going to go. Um, I don't yeah, know that it's always easy be... as a Cardinals fan just to, you know, sign a contract and be over it. But, um, I'm sure a lot went into the Cardinals not signing him way back when, and I'm sure it's not as easy for just the Cardinals organization to be like, especially the team they currently have in the person they have at first base. Like if Albert Bulls really wants to play, even with the DH, like, reports from and the angels was he wanted to like play play like mm-hmm. not just hit he wanted to play and that just unfortunately is not going to happen on this team so. well well that and they have so they have jared walsh at first base who's having a yep. phenomenal year and yep. then their full-time dh is otani so like pools yep. wasn't going like when pools was in your lineup you weren't like 
<clears throat> there there it wasn't that ideal. Like you weren't uh it it wasn't your best offense. Like you weren't putting your best team forward when Pools was in your lineup. Um and for a team that like hasn't you know, I don't even think they've been to the playoffs since they signed Pools. Um maybe they went once, I think. But like, I don't think they've won a playoff game or a playoff series or something like that since Pools was there. Granted, they haven't won a playoff series since Trout joined the team either. So, whatever. T- take that as well. Pools thought, thought he'd get sat down and let a pitcher hit before they let him hit. Yeah. He thought he, that was going to happen in his career. <laughs> Probably not. Now, granted, it's Otani, but yeah, he's not, still a pitcher. he doesn't hit like a pitcher by any means. Yeah. He's more of an outfielder that can also pitch. Um, but yeah, so, and I, and I think that they wanted to make sure like they put Atani at the least amount of risk because he had been playing the outfield in previous years because they were having Pujols DH and him being out in the field, I think took an extra toll on his body and that's why he wasn't staying healthy was their concern. So that's why they went this route. So I don't disagree yeah. with it because no. they didn't have a spot for him. But it's just surprising to see any team dump $24 million and not have anything to show for it. Um, yeah, but the Angels, we've gone over this, bags for years have been a top-five payroll team. No one really talks about it. But all they do is spend an exorbitant amount of money on players and never go to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it doesn't matter how net profitable they aren't. Like, the factory works, so... Yeah, I guess that's dumping fair. $24 million and, to and the most people, Angels probably was waking up and sneezing, you know? Yeah, and most people don't talk about it, but we have definitely addressed yeah, the Angels we call it payroll out. scenario. We call it out. Um, Maybe they're going to go get some Corey Seager. Who plays, who plays shortstop <laughs> there? Uh, and, it's a great question. I don't know. Um. That wasn't who traded. No, Oakland traded for Andrews. I don't think. I don't think. Maybe it's in Dalton Simmons that's there. Oh, uh, I think he is there right now. I don't know. So um, they could use a big upgrade. Yeah. Um. But. But yeah. So. <clears throat> so I I have thought of two potential homes for him. Um. La Russa has since come out and said that like Pools just doesn't fit into the cards for the White Sox, which. I don't disagree with. They have Jose Abreu at first, who, you know, was MVP last year, so you're not going to sit him for pools. And then uh, Yerman Mercedes has had a great year uh, to start off red hot as a rookie. I think he's like 30 years old, though, but that's, you know, 11 years younger than pools. Um, So I don't know that the White Sox could have a fit for him. I don't know what the player relationship was like between Matheny and and pools but kansas city was the other fit that i thought it would it would be in my opinion would be the best fit um i think you would get cardinals fans that would still travel to kansas city to see pools play um i think that there's a great fan base there that they would be amped up and excited um you know for like the the race for 700 um i don't think that they have like I don't know who plays first for them now, uh, but I don't think it's anyone like overly amazing. Um, and there would be room to DH him because I think that's usually like Jorge Salar 
typically DHs for him, and he also can play the outfield. So they have the ability to shift some things around. Um, but you're going to get him at league minimum. So it's very cost-effective for them, and I think it would definitely drive ticket sales. Um, and there's probably tons of people that are Royals fans that also like Pujols. Like, I'm sure plenty of Royals fans had like the Cardinals as like their NL team, quote-unquote. So They're there's... rocking uh, Carlos Santana at first base. Okay, yeah, so yeah, whatever. He could DH. Yeah, he could definitely DH because their DHs are, um, yeah, some known and Carlos are, And Carlos Santana can DH as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can just have them, yeah you can have them split yeah. time at first so Pools can get out on the field. They can DH, give them some rest, whatever. But, like, you're just, it's that race for 700. Um, or not race, but, like, the, the push for 700. I know Pools said that it was a big deal for him to get there. Um, and like I said, league minimum. So you're, you're easily going to make it back in ticket sales that you're going to get, um, for people just to try to see the milestone, you know, for every home run he hits. Um, but it's just crazy to think that like just some random, random game, you know, a week ago was potentially Albert Pulse's last game of his career. Um, you know, his last hit, his last home run, like all these things that like, no one even knew was remotely close to that because everyone thought we had the rest of the season. Like as it got closer to the end of the year, sure. Maybe people started to have that, that realization, but I don't think anyone anticipated it being here. Um, but then you partner that. So Pittsburgh, they made the decision to designate for assignment, Todd Frazier, who's like another, you know, been, been in the league for quite some time. White Sox was, with the Mets, with the Yankees. Um, it's like he's been around for a while, and they they DFA'd him. So, for me, it has me thinking that maybe this is going to be a new trend, that, like, veterans are going to find it harder to hold roster spots because there's less minor league teams. So you can't stash guys for as long so, like, when you want to have, when you're like, all right, like, I we have four teams, you know, four minor league teams in the major league team, so we essentially can stash 20 outfielders. Well, when you're at that 20 limit, you know, maybe you're like, all right, well, I need to call a guy up from the minors because I need to find everyday playing time for this guy down in low A, you know, whatever. So it has to have an impact somewhere. You're like, all right, well, to make room for this guy that we just signed or that we just drafted or that we're looking at, like, you know, we need to find room somewhere. And at some point, you know, somewhere somewhere in the equation, that could be an MLB player, and that might be what's happening to, like, Pujols and Frazier and, you know, nameless other guys that it could go the same way. Like, Carpenter could be the same way. Like, if it were a situation where Thomas and Dean and Williams and Bader and O'Neill and Carlson are all tearing the cover off the ball, you know, it, it might be a different situation where they're like, you know, we can't, we can't afford to give these extra bats to Carpenter because we need these guys to be playing. You know, it's like these pinch hit opportunities are going to be here. Like we want, we want these guys in here. We want a platoon. We want to run five outfielders. So we just have no room for Carpenter anymore. 
you know, like it, it could happen. I, hey, if that trend continues here, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but I also, uh, I find it bittersweet for pools because his leave of in St. Louis, you know, was a money driven decision. Um, it is interesting that his money driven decision has got his career cut maybe short and not his own hands. I'm sure he thought did definitely did not think coming into this year that he was not the holder of his own career ending. Um, you know, with his contract ending this year, like he'd, you know, you at least think he'll just finish out this year. You know, you'll either sign back with this team or you'll find another team to sign on. But now getting cut, it's a little bit different, right? Like, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of teams like we went through them. There's just not a lot of teams that need an Albert Pujols or that makes their impact a lot bigger. So I find it funny long term that, you know, money was the reason. And I, if I think if he would have stayed with the Cardinals, I don't think the Cardinals ever even think about dropping him before his contract's over with. Um, you know, and they treat him. He gets that red carpet, no matter how bad he was for the past couple of years, even, you know, if he would have been bad or whatever, like he would have got that red carpet treatment. Um, so also trying to just show guys, you know, like you are going to get treated the way you're going to get treated. Um, so when you have an organization that does, you know, loves and cares for you, you know, maybe that should be a consideration for you. Probably not because this is a one-off situation, I think, but it is interesting how this one ends. Yeah. Um, and it's began. yeah, and it's interesting to think this like how different the franchise makeup looks if Pujols stayed here. You know, oh like, yeah. Do they no? Do they have the like? Are they able to shell out like the big contract to Molina and Wainwright like they did? Right. Um. Or do, you don't do you have wanna... you don't have Paul Goldschmidt right now for yeah, sure. Yeah, you definitely don't trade for Goldschmidt. Um. You know some of the other aspects of like guys that got shipped out like what uh you know like what they drafted you know some some of the other guys like it might just look different with like what what they drafted because like you know you're not going to worry about bringing in like a matt adams um you know a a, a craig allen like or alan craig what's what was his name alan craig allen Allen was the goalie for the blues craig was the player for the cardinals okay yeah got it (laughs) um that's what you can't trust people with two first names um, but yeah, so it's just like the makeup, I think looks much different, but you know, like you said, like he, he definitely would have gotten that red carpet treatment and not that like there still won't be an opportunity. I imagine someone somewhere is going to pick him up uh, a team like the Rangers, you know, the, like just don't have a lot going for them. Like they're their stadiums at capacity already. Like they're allowing everyone in and it's going to sell tickets. Um, I just can't imagine that someone doesn't pick this up to just market it because again, like you're getting him at league minimum, like that, the 24 million or whatever it is that the angels are paying him this year. They're still paying him that. So a team's just going to pick him up and they're going to pay 550 K and you're, you're easily going to reap that back and benefits of where it's at. Like shit, like you'll probably make that back in, Pujols jersey sales. I'm a. Uh, I'm gonna pick him up and then uh, try to trade him to Kurt. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, because Kurt, and Kurt, you know, was saying at the draft that he's never had Albert Pujols on his team, so <laughs> could be his last year. Yeah, it could could be his last year. It seems like he's probably just not not gonna have Albert Pujols on his team. Yeah, it's um, never gonna happen for him. But so I asked, do we wanna do we wanna get into to fantasy real quick? 
Um, I mean, I don't know how real quick is. I mean, quick time check, 1212. Quick uh, time check, 1212. So. Yeah, we're sitting we're oh, at like an hour 55. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I know we said that we were going to get into it. Last week we were going to get more into fancy, but I went on my tirade about bitching about players being babies, so I kind of get into it. But um, I guess so. So real quick, we we both were winners last week, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think we big both wins, big win. Yeah, we're both three and two on the year now. Yep. Um, so moving in the right direction. Um, I was top point scorer last week, so. Made my my five dollars back from being low point score like in week two or three whenever that was, um, so we yeah, we righted we righted the ship. Um, John means big performance, big performance. You know has no hitter. Hell yeah. Um, it's it's worth noting that if I didn't get any points from John means, I still would have won. Um, and if I didn't get. Close, but... It yeah. would have been a lot closer, though. It would have been a lot closer, and it's also worth noting if I didn't get any points from John Means, I would have been top point scorer still. Um, so that's good. Uh, there was also another no-hitter thrown. Um, fortunately for that guy, uh, Wade Miley was on his bench. Um, yeah, however, yeah, however, he also won. <laughs> so no harm, no foul. Um, last note about my team, though. The best thing about the John Means no-hitter uh, was Zach the guy I was playing? He is in another league. He has John Means in that other league, and he sat John Means in that other league. So John Means threw a no hitter against him, and then he didn't even get points for it in his other league. So yeah, that's rough. I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, no, yeah, wouldn't be too happy about that. But what? Bosho? Where'd you get your your points from? Who was your your big performers last week? Um, so, so your, Jake your Cronenworth, or... yeah, my pitching was all, yeah, my pitching was all right. Zach, Zach Greinke was probably really the only one that was like a letdown. Um, and then Garrett Cole, uh, no, I had a good week. Um, I, I really honestly just skated by. I got lucky, went in with only 172 points. Uh, and like 10 of that came in last night. Um, I forgot who hit a home run last night, but, uh, you know, I was already going to win, but it kind of padded the set a little bit. So I kind of got lucky this week. I My pitching was a little, um, eh. Uh, let me see again. Hold on. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so Garrett Cole, only 10 points. Gallon, 10. Zach Grinke out of two starts, only had two points. Lance McCullers, eight. Uh, you know, and then Will Smith, my reliever, had 14. So, yeah. you know, I, pretty light there. I should. With your I, rotation. My offense is good enough. I My rotation should be destroying, you know. so Yeah, with your rotation, having Michael Pineda be your top point scorer, I wouldn't anticipate that happening very often with your five yeah. guys. Cole, Gallon, yeah. Greinke, McCullers, Pineda. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. and this week pretty I'm not rotation. even playing Pineda because uh, Brady Singer has two starts, um, so he's getting finally playing. getting that Brady Singer start in. Yeah, and well, one of them is against Detroit, and he has a three and record with like a sub, like below two ERA against the Tigers. So we'll play him against the Tigers, and then they both play the White Sox this week. So um, saw the same team out of them, so we get the extra Detroit start out of it. But yeah, Brady Singer's finally making it in the lineup this week reasonable reasonable yeah i'm uh 
so the so this week, I said coming off top point score, playing my cousin. Um, he was the low point score last week, so I texted him and I was like, hey, like if you could do me a solid and just have your team yeah, two repeat the performance from last week, I would appreciate it. Um, but he had me out started nine starts to five. Um, a big part of his team last week was I think he had a guy that had like a start pushed back, so he didn't get any points out of him. Um, I think he, so I think he only ended up with like four starts on the on the week. It might even have been three. Cause I think Merrill Kelly got hurt, um, or our Dustin May, like Dustin May ended up, you know, being shut down for the year with his injury, and then I think. Kelly was like the one that got pushed back. Um, so we, so we ended up with like three or four starts only. So that was a big part of the, the low point score. However, this week he has nine starts. Um, 10 is really like the most you can get two starts from each one of your pitchers. Cause it's just seven days. So your starters probably aren't ever going to pitch three times in a seven day period of time. Unless you have Garrett Cole on your team. Um, and I only, yeah, and I only have five starts. So I was out out started nine to five. I usually treat it as like it's like fifteen points per start that you're you're probably gonna get on average. Um is, is what I account for. Um on when I'm down starts, when I'm up starts, I count them for ten up an extra one. So I have room for my guys to be shittier. Um so I, I figure I'm I'm down about sixty points in the hole to begin the week. Um, but through the first day he had one start go and I'm currently only down by like two points. So I've kind of stemmed the tide for, for start number one. Um, so I'll say, I know you weren't, you weren't as lucky with, uh, the first start from your opponent, but you had extra starts this week. So, um, this week coming up. No, the, yeah, the week that just started tonight. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I got seven starts to yeah. the five. So. Yeah, yeah, well, seven um, is six, but he had Weaver pitch tonight. So, yeah, and Weaver, good start, twenty three points, twenty four points. Um, yeah, trash start, trash start. But yeah, the, the big save from Iglesias always helps. Like, kind of helps negate that when you're like, yeah, the cool. eight points thrown in there. Uh, Kyle Tucker throws in a couple points. Yeah. Um, really, I don't want to be playing. Well, I. Uh, Morin from the from Pittsburgh. I have been playing at first base while Walker's been out, um, and I probably would have still had him play first base and still bumped up uh, Kyle Tucker into the DH spot last week because I didn't play Kyle Tucker last week because he was just kind of like slumping, um, but he kind of got a you know, run Sunday, so then I put him back in the lineup today, um, and I didn't like some of the other matchups, so uh, play that. But we'll see how it goes this week. Um, again, I think most of my pitching, I got some couple pitchers that start on Wednesday, but oh, I think a lot of my pitching was late. So another week where I have to wait for the a bunch of my points to be like, you know, Thursday, Friday, right. something. Um, Let's see how it goes. well, you have a, you have a couple guys that are double started. So I would imagine. Um, yeah. Singer and McCullers. That's what yeah. I'm saying. This week will be a little different. Yeah. Cause they both the pitch tomorrow. Past- so. Yeah, but then they pitch later in the week, and then most of the other guys pitch later in the right. week. Right. So. Yeah. So if if I use my same start and hand rule that applies, you are you are currently up by like two and a half points. So you're you're in all right shape. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, we just continue our our winning ways. Um, 
we yeah. have this week and then one more week against division and then we go interdivisional for the next eight weeks and somewhere in there we will match up i think we're like the last week of interdivision play or something like that and it's it's the extended week i think we've looked yep. up like we're definitely going to be invested in so. the atlanta game Yes, because we have a lot of Atlanta players. Yeah, the between you and I, we have the whole Atlanta squad. Yeah, I think we so. have five. That's probably going to be a week that I find Swanson a spot in my lineup. Yeah, just so. Yeah, it's like if your guys do anything, it, hopefully my guy's on base for it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you got that RBI? Yeah, but you drove in my runner. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Net zero. Yep. Um, but cool. All right, well. It wasn't, wasn't too bad. It was like eight minute little rundown, seven minute little rundown. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else on your end that we didn't get to? Um, no. All right. All right. Well, um, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully next week we get to tell you about how the Cardinals and Yankees have cracked the top five in the power rankings again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll go from there, but, uh, until then stay cool.